Hi, my name is Justin Schweitzer. I'm an optometrist at Vance Thompson Vision in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Our practice is an integrated care practice, ODs and MDs, and I'm really excited to be here talking to you about integrating presbyopia drops into the optometric practice. It's great to have you here, Jade. Glad to uh, be able to do this with you. Tell me a little bit about yourself and your practice. Sure. My name is Jade Coates. I practice in Northwest Arkansas, particularly Rogers, Arkansas, at a large ODMD facility, particularly specializing in cataract and refractive surgery. So I'm excited about integrating presbyopia drops into my practice because I do think that even in an ODMD facility, there's a huge potential for it. Yeah, we'll get, we're going to talk about you know a variety of different ways that we can integrate this. The nice thing is we're kind of in slightly different practice settings to a degree, even though they're both integrated. You know the way that we see our patients is slightly different. So I think both of us have integrated these products into our practice, and we're utilizing them and because of the refractive piece of our practices as well, the IOL pieces of our practice, you know, it all kind of fits. All these different options are out there and we really need to educate on all of them. And so it's gonna be a fun discussion over the next 15, 20 minutes or so. So when we think about early presbyopes, a lot of these patients have never been to an eye care provider. Reason being is they've seen really good their whole life. They've seen good at far, they've seen up good up close. All of a sudden they maybe hit their early 40s and they start to struggle with near vision and they think there's a major problem and there is a problem. They're, they're having quality of life issues. So how do you draw those patients in to your practice? Are there specific things you use to draw those patients in to educate them? That's it. Well, I'm glad that you asked because right now there's a particular buzz about presbyopia. So for now, patients are doing a really great job at just coming to the eye doctor. Tell me more about this presbyopia option that I'm seeing online or on commercials. And so it is very interesting because for now, they're bringing themselves into practice and it is our job to kind of um, educate them on not only this process of presbyopia, but that there's management treatment options. And in addition to that, they need to be coming to their annual eye exams on a routine basis for dilated um, eye exams. They need to bring their family members if they haven't been in. So it is a huge business opportunity for the patients who would have never ever seen us prior. They may have purchased a over-the-counter reader at a convenience store. It's driving those patients in that we might not have seen otherwise. Are you advertising on your website, through social media, any of those things in your practice? So at this time we're not, because there's again such a big buzz, but I could see how it'd be super advantageous for someone to at least educate their patients on presbyopia, maybe via social media, um, to help drive people to your practice. So we've implemented almost like a town hall meeting at our practice where we've advertised that we're gonna be discussing presbyopia to get patients to come in and more so, we're an integrated care practice. Really the patients that I see are, are not my patients. We're not trying to get patients specifically to see us. What we're trying to do is educate on presbyopia in general. And in our practice, we're educated on a variety of things. IOLs, refractive surgery, presbyopia correcting or pharmaceutical agents. And then what we do is we understand if the patients have themselves a primary care optometrist in the community. If they don't, we then help them find one. And so it's been really nice because we're placing patients with doctors in the community who can then care for them for the long term, take care of them, make sure they're watching for diseases such as glaucoma, macular degeneration. And so it's a good practice builder for the network of colleagues that I work with on a daily basis. And it's really been a win-win situation for us. It also seems like a great industry builder because you're also referring back to their optometrist so that they can take care of their presbyopia. So that's really, really great. So Justin, after you explain presbyopia to a patient, what are you expecting them to tell you? Well, the first thing I'm gonna say, it is important to take time to explain presbyopia to a patient. You know, as eye care providers, we think 
it's such a normal thing that we see it so often on a daily basis. But we have to remember that that visit that that patient comes in to see you may be the most important thing they're doing that day. And for patients that don't understand it, presbyopia can be scary. They're not seeing things up close all of a sudden. They don't fully understand it. They may have been online. So I do think you need to take time, number one, to educate. Once you educate them, the first thing that's gonna go through their mind is, boy, I'm gonna need some glasses. And they may be thinking reading glasses or bifocals or trifocals. And we have great spectacle lens options. You have progressive edition lenses. But we also should educate on contact lenses. We should educate these patients on presbyopia pharmaceutical agents. We should educate them on lens exchanges possibly, so uh, IOLs. We should educate them on refractive surgery. All these things should at least be discussed with our patients so that they at least understand that there's availability to do these things. And then I don't mind letting the patient drive the bus a little bit, mm -hmm. see what fits them best. Right. Because a lot of times if you allow that, you're not selling them something, and then that patient is gonna be much happier in the long run. That's exactly right. I kind of take a step back on the on the day that I diagnose presbyopia to a patient. You're right, they are sometimes scared and worried. Is this a forever thing? And unfortunately, it only gets worse. And so I do find that on that initial visit, educating them on the anatomy behind it and that this is out of their control and unfortunately is something that just happens from the very beginning is really helpful psychologically moving forward because unfortunately it's just a problem that does get worse. So Justin, how do you advise patients whenever you tell them that they are suffering from presbyopia and you give them their treatment options, how do you decide when is an appropriate time for them to use it? So when we're talking specifically presbyopia correcting drops, I wanna understand the patient's needs. You know, what are they, what, what are their struggles right now in their life with presbyopia? You may have some patients that they are at work, they maybe work eight hours a day, they're on a computer, that's their struggle. They're looking for a solution there. Can a presbyopia correcting drop last long enough for them to make that impact and allow them to get through their day? So it may be something that they wanna use every single day. And so we have to have that discussion with them. In another situation, it could just be sporadically. Maybe there's someone that is perfectly fine with wearing glasses, contact lenses during the day, but at night they wanna go out to eat with a family member, a spouse, and they want some independence from their glasses or they want independence from their contact lenses, whatever it may be, that I need to understand that because that may be a situation where one day they use it, they may only use it Friday night, Saturday night, but they won't use it the rest of the week. So understanding the patient, getting a good history around how they wanna utilize their eyes is really, really important. And that's what's so great about adding this to your practice is that it, you, it does put the ball in the patient's court. They are able to choose when they want to do it. It does kind of give them a little bit of power back in deciding how they would like to see on a given day. In our practice, you know, they're able to decide, do you wanna use it on a daily basis or use it occasionally? Uh, we see a lot of people who might be doing lots of computer work or presentations and they need to see near and far, but only for a short period of time because then they may go to a football game afterwards and their visual demands are a little bit different. And so allowing the patient to decide that is, as part of a team, <laughs> is really impactful in our practice. Yeah, we like to use almost like a lifestyle questionnaire. Mm -hmm. We do this for all our patients that come in for whether it be a cataract evaluation, whether it be you know, a refractive evaluation, we want to understand how they're using their eyes. And a lot of times they give you the answers through that. And so you have that in front of you, you know kind of what the issues they're suffering with in life. And so then that will direct me to ask specific questions and go down the pathway of, boy, this would be a great patient for a presbyopia correcting drop versus, nah, probably steer clear of that and let's think about something on the other side. They'd be better for spectacles, contact lenses, maybe a refractive procedure. 
So with any type of pharmaceutical agent that we prescribe, there's gonna be patient complaints, patient issues, and sometimes some adverse events. So you prescribe this in your practice, you're helping your presbyopic population with it. What do you tell your patients, or how do you handle, I should say, the common adverse events that you run into with the current pharmaceutical agents for presbyopia? Sure, I'm very upfront in explaining to patients exactly what they may experience. I need them to understand that this is a trade-off, you know, so they're giving up or trying to eliminate their readers in exchange for a presbyopia correcting eye drop. And so understanding that there might be a little bit of redness or a little bit of a brow ache up front is super helpful for compliance. If, if they're not educated from the very beginning that these things might happen, they might think it's abnormal and discontinue the medication. I actually like to even talk about, you know, what the percentages are of these situations. Mm -hmm. I think it resonates with patients. I know not all doctors do that, mm -hmm. but I feel like when we look at some of the studies around this, about 15% of patients in the FDA clinical trial got a small brow ache or a headache, that it's worth telling the patient that. And to your point, then once they know that, it's interesting, I don't know if it's a placebo effect, it might be that it doesn't bother them as much. Now, when they get it, at least they know that. And I've also found, and this is clinical experience, that it seems to be very transient and sporadic. So some will get it, some won't get it the first time, but they'll get it the second time. Some won't get it the first time, they'll get it a week later when they use it again. So it's very variable. So I'm gonna throw that question back to you now. When you get variable results, various results with patient to patient even, yeah. how do you handle that? Great question. So if it is case by case, it is extremely, it's a lifestyle medication. And so it gives them that freedom. Whenever I get depend, uh, mixed results, I kind of leave it in the patient's court again. Um, I let them kind of decide to continue it as needed or to continue it on a daily basis, um, whatever they want. Yeah, so I like the patient driving the bus as well. Obviously, if there's something that they're going to do to themselves that could harm them, sure. then I'm going to have them don't use it anymore. Uh, absolutely. But if it's something they're tolerating and it's achieving the goals that they wanted from that particular medication, then I'm gonna have them continue to use that. That's exactly right, because we do know that they may experience, a small portion may experience these things at the beginning, but if they maybe were to use it um, as directed for an extended period of time, maybe a week or two weeks, they might have a better idea as to exactly how um, they're going to react to this medication. And that brings up another point that I do often, you know, I will give a patient or sample a bottle or I'll call it into the pharmacy and ask them to try to get through one bottle. Yeah. Try to get through one bottle of the medication. And obviously if you can't tolerate some of the side effects from it, then we're not gonna continue to use it. Right. But again, in clinical experience, I found that if you can kind of get a patient through one bottle, they typically will do pretty well with it. It's the same thing with glaucoma medications, other agents. Same it's interesting, thing. you put them on these medications, they may get a little hyperemia at the beginning, they call your office right away. I always tell my technicians, my nurses to say, hey, just see if they can get through one bottle and then we'll reassess this. I'm definitely not gonna keep them on the medication if it's affecting their quality of life and bother them in those regards. And then I think the other thing is just a comprehensive eye exam. We need to make sure that we're evaluating the health of the eye. You know, when we think about presbyopic correcting mm -hmm. options, especially the one in the market today, we really need to make sure that the retina is very healthy. If there's any issues with the retina whatsoever, then I typically don't prescribe. Same, and we're very cautious uh, prescribers now. Again, just identifying the best of the best candidates. And I do think that that um, helps our success. So we know right now there's one presbyopia correcting pharmaceutical agent on the market, but there's a lot more coming, which is exciting in my opinion. But I'd love to hear how excited you are about it and how it's gonna change the way 
that we manage our presbyopia patients. Sure, it's just going to be another option. Consistently, we already offer contact lenses, glasses correction, and refractive surgery. So why not have an additional fourth one? We've got to educate the patients. They know that it exists, it's in the market, and they've got to hear it from their eye doctor. And I think we can we're going to be able to individualize treatment with it as well because these agents are going to perform a little bit differently in their onset of action, how long they last. And so we'll be able to figure out what our patient's lifestyle demands are for near vision, and then we'll be able to pick and choose where we want to implement these types of drops for certain patient types. That's right. It's really exciting to be able to have the potential to kind of tailor it for the patient if they need a little bit of extra near correction with their multifocal lenses, just the possibility in the future with presbyopia correcting drops. So Justin, how do you address optometrists who might be worried that this presbyopia correcting drop could affect their practice? Yeah, it's a great question and, and, and I get the concern around that. I really go back to thinking about when trifocal IOLs, multifocal IOLs, extended depth of focus IOLs, these advanced IOLs came out. Concern around that was, boy, that's gonna hurt the optical business. Less contact lenses, maybe less spectacle lenses. But the way that I educate patients right now in that world is that really these IOLs are an adjunct. They're not gonna reduce, they're not gonna completely eliminate glasses. They may reduce the dependence and I think it's the same thing with presbyopia correcting drops. They're a great adjunct to contact lenses, to glasses. They're not gonna eliminate glasses. They're not gonna eliminate contact lenses. They may reduce the dependence a bit, but patients are still gonna need these technologies and they're still gonna need to pay for them. Right, and it is mighty wise of optometrists to kind of listen to this chatter. Patients are interested, or presbyopia patients, are potentially interested in coming to your practice and that could be a huge game changer for building your own brand and practice, bringing, developing these uh, presbyopia patients. Well, you mentioned that, you know, it, it's definitely the optical side of things, but you're gonna be catching a lot of medical conditions right. with this as well. So you bring them into your office. Maybe you don't sell quite as much, but I doubt it because I really think it's more of an adjunct thing. But now you're picking up the medical side of your practice because you're picking up conditions of the eye that you may have missed or you didn't miss, they hadn't been in ever to have it checked, and so you're finding glaucoma, you're finding macular degeneration, you're finding other disease processes. Right, exactly. So the future is really bright when we think about all the treatment options for our presbyopia patients. We now have a pharmaceutical agent on the market. We've talked a lot about some of the other things that aren't going away, spectacle lenses, contact lenses, refractive surgery types of procedures, IOLs, but we have a bunch of other ones coming down the line, and what really excites me about that and I think as a key takeaway is we're gonna be able to individualize treatment for patients. We're gonna be able to understand their lifestyle and be able to really make an impact on our presbyopia patients in a variety of different ways. I agree, presbyopia has, affects every single person blessed to have enough birthdays and so it is something that we optometrists should own, this category.